Russia has decided it's going to make a move like this. Now, we in the West don't understand this kind of move. We don't. We don't understand why China would try to take Hong Kong. We don't understand why the Taliban would try to take Afghanistan. We don't understand why Iran would be a, would be threatened. The U.S. just left Afghanistan. That just happened. <laughs> like, what, what world are you living in, Ben Shapiro? This is like, uh, the West is weak. Well, all they've done is, is concentrate inward and decide that they don't want to be self-sufficient when it comes to oil. The U.S. has increased its oil production. What are you talking about? <laughs> has Jill Lamont. Germany has censored my Twitch streams. The social fascist coward Olaf can't debate me, so he'd resort to censorship, cope, and seize Soros dog. Oh my god! Oh my... Why did you add that? Fucking hell. <laughs> Maybe it's because you have a giant banner on your streams that is like Vladimir Putin is good, Russia is winning, and you fucking oh my god! I I, I think at a certain point yesterday, Haas broke because that's when like shit was getting really brutal. Um, and I think Russia agrees with this. I don't believe Ukrainians should be forcibly forced to adopt an identity they don't agree with, right? So let me just—I've been really. This was like this was right after you could clearly see that like uh, you know there were missiles uh, missile strikes and bombings occurring civilians uh, dying being targeted and like you know the chat was kind of like holy shit this looks bad and at that point it's like okay time to backpedal it's a hyperbolic bit. and shit because of how much anti-Russian propaganda is going around so let me be very crystal clear about something um, I don't think Ukrainians. Uh, I don't think Ukrainians should be forced. Obviously, Russia doesn't think that either, though, right? It's just pro fucking propaganda. Like, um, Ukraine says this is from 17 minutes ago. Or six, no, this is 16 hours ago? Yeah, this is old. So f up to 10 civilians have been killed, apparently. You know, I don't like people dying and shit. Um, I disagree with the Ukrainian government. Uh <laughs> like it was like and I, I've I've felt this for a while. Every single person who is kind of just, you know, parodying RT talking points, the uh, Caleb Maupin, Jackson Hinkle or whatever, and have all these streams uh where they're like some of the shit that is happening in real time that they have to react to and sit there. I, like I, I like for someone like Jackson, for example, what is this like a you know a California Democrat turned uh, Bernie supporter turned uh, ML or whatever you want to call it now, and sitting there when there is you know civilian casualties, uh, the horrors of war are, are becoming very apparent in real time, and, and then still sit there and be like, uh, okay, well. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, you know it's 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 not a good thing that uh, Ukrainian civilians are are, are getting killed. But uh, at the same time, all right. Speaking of which, let's take a look around and see what uh, other content creators are saying about this topic. Russia has invaded Ukraine, and some politicians are saying Putin is the new Hitler. Is it that simple, or did our own governments participate in this escalating crisis? <laughs> Hello there, you five million awakening wonders. We're discussing war, of course, and it's a subject that has to be handled sensitively, particularly when it's as complex as the geopolitical conundrum that we are discussing today. I'll let you know initially that if you want to come and see me live, I'm on tour 
all over. Okay, so already, so many people have used this as like a, a shilling point. I, I saw Seth Abraham, probably uh, the worst example of a liberal doing it, just being like, uh, you know, I'm not a soldier, but hey, if you want to learn more about these kind of issues, buy my book. Or there was Glenn Greenwald, who was also like, uh, by the way, everybody, uh, I just want to talk about how you can't have a dissenting opinion these days. If you want to learn about that and what my thoughts are on the Russia-Ukraine crisis, uh, please go to my Substack. So we did. And you go to his Substack and right there, it's like, uh, so I'm just here to promote that I'm going to be on Tucker Carlson tonight at 8 p.m. So please go check it out. Uh, and then also go to my Rumble and watch all my videos. I was, I was like, this is fertile ground for, for like for people to sell shit. Jason Kenny, the fucking premier of Alberta, is trying to hawk oil right now. He made a whole video yesterday where he's like, you don't want dictators oil. You want Alberta oil. Yes, clean Canadian oil coming right to you. So don't, I was like, what? The, people are dying right now. Why is this an opportunity for everyone to be like, all right, and buy my books and buy my CDs and buy my mixtape. Like, holy fuck. The north of England, Newcastle, Scarborough. There's a link in the description. Glasgow, Bristol. Come see me live. It's incredible. And there's room for nuance. Sovereign nation. <laughs> there's room for nuance. And does anyone have a moral rectitude and clarity to cast themselves as heroes in a conflict with this degree of complexity? Right up front. The invasion of Ukraine by Russia is wrong. To see soldiers and tanks and all of that kind of stuff, the paraphernalia of war, the horror of war, the, the inevitable death war. and suffering that war brings, even if it's spoken of as it is by Putin in terms of liberation, even if it's spoken of as a response to Western... Oh, you are just teetering on the edge of a butt right now, aren't you? Just, just playing with that. And... Uh antics around NATO we still are in a position where people are fleeing and death is inevitable that's obviously a serious situation war I suppose is the apex of what human beings can do when mistreating each other we do a lot of videos don't we about tyranny saying like you know escalating surveillance is a problem or control of our finances or the posturing of apparently liberal politicians who are in fact using legislation to enact further control but when you are talking about war we are at the as i say the pinnacle of what can potentially happen between nations let's try and gently unpack this looking at a variety of sources and see if we can gently understand this complex situation i understand like he's doing this on youtube but i'm just i'm curious if russell brand if he speaks like this uh, just in every day like we meet him on the street he's like and now i think the thing that we need to talk about is the weather and how the driplets in the droplets they fall down what does this mean what is the conclusion let's talk about that a little better together. This is from Jacobin. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is sickening. Vladimir Putin had claimed that the Kiev regime refused any resolution of the conflict in the Donbass except through military means. The Russian president now claims to resolve it with far more bloodshed already spreading beyond the Donbass region and risking a wider conflagration. Acknowledging all of this, however, doesn't leave the West blameless in what's now happening. Or as political scientist Stephen Walt recently put it, one can believe that Russia's present actions are wholly illegitimate and also believe that a different set of US policies over the past several decades would have made them less likely. The number one thing I come to this complex story with, well, there are so many. One is my own bafflement, my own sense of emotional dislocation, an inability to trust normal media sources, a sense that I have to decode everything that I'm told. What am I watching this on? Fox are saying this, CNN... Yeah, I mean... 
Not exactly, completely inaccurate. You do need to form your own opinions based on the media you consume. Media, but viewed through the lens of recent events, it's difficult to have any moral certainty. That's how I feel about it, at least. Let me know in the comments below what you think. <laughs> Takeaway from all this is like, <laughs> all right, there's this enormous tragedy going on, you know, an invasion of Ukraine. He's like, uh, my real concerning thoughts about this all is that it's just really hard to understand where to find truth in this matter, especially as we consume media. I'm not going to read a bunch of paragraphs. Rather than address the things that are said in the paragraphs I'm talking about, I'm also going to talk about how it's very difficult to know where is the truth in this surveillance state, modern day kind of, uh, you know, paradigm that we find ourselves. Let us know in the fucking comments down below you know hit like subscribe bell button oi do you feel kind of confused about it and how am i supposed to understand this who am i supposed to support let me know or a different set of u.s policies over the past few months so you said nothing this is like five minutes of your whole thing and all you said is that like it's hard to tell where we get our information from yes brilliant by God, I'd look for it. But what I feel like, mostly, is there is no moral high ground to be occupied by the main players on the geopolitical stage because all of them have such entrenched corporate ties and such implicit territorial objectives that we can't trust them. Who's going to go to war? This whole thing feels like what you get in, like, you know, uh, a circle of people uh, who are trying to, like, talk about geopolitics while being incredibly, incredibly stoned. It's like, I just think, dude, that, like, you know, every single person is, like, you know, at the top, they're all bad. And, and like, you know, and then they're all just making us die for causes that we might not even care about, you know. It's like, oh, wow, that's fucking, it's profound. How'd you figure that out? For Boris Johnson going, oh, well, if Boris Johnson says that, the, that this is the right thing to do, who's going to go to war for Joe Biden? Oh, well, if Joe Biden says this is the right thing to do, any of them. How can you summons up enthusiasm? As I've said before, what kind of ideological Viagra would it take to get you okay, triapic like enough to support? Okay, 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 that's a good line. Uh, ideological Viagra, I like that. Okay, that's good. Our governments in anything, really. Throughout the crisis, the Western position has been... But you still aren't... What is the point of this? What, you still aren't really talking about anything. When you're dealing with geopolitics, you know, history, territory, the globe, <laughs> I try to think this is actual people at the end of this. And okay. I don't mean the people, the political players and the corporations and the media. I mean the human beings in areas in Ukraine that will be affected by this conflict. Okay, what good. would be best for them? If a perfect solution of absolute Ukrainian sovereignty and their right to join whatever alliances they want to join is impossible due to the history of the Soviet Union and the historic ties between Russia and Ukraine, if that's not achievable, then perhaps a situation where there aren't shells raining down on Kiev is preferable. Unless you incorporate, oh, well, the American economy is reliant on what exactly? And the American media is funded by whom exactly? And there's a triumvirate of relationships that coalesce rather nicely around non negotiation and escalation of conflict. That seems to be one available analysis. Again, with me pointing out that anything that I say is likely to be simplistic because we're looking at a vast historic and political behemoth and it's difficult to sort of just pick through it on a social media platform. Limits to NATO's eastward drift, after all, had long that was, been a that sore one point, horrible. not just for Putin. So NATO, as you know, is the North Atlantic Alliance, countries <laughs> that are historically oppositional to the Soviet Union, formed pacts and agreements primarily to assure that they were organised against the threat of the Soviet Union. So asking Ukraine, a former member of that union, to join is, Putin says, an aggressive act. 
Limits to NATO's eastward drift, after all, had long been a sore point, not just for Putin, yeah. but even pro-Western Russian elites for years, something various US officials and thinkers had once openly recognised as understandable. So, no... Let me guess Moscow he's going to try and say both sides. ...against Ukraine if it's objective. Uh, yeah, I mean, as of right now, uh, I mean, he pointed out a couple accurate things in this middle part, but the first handful, and I'd say the bulk of this, is that, like, we cannot trust the media. Where does the truth lie? Uh, you know, people in positions of power, those who will suffer are those on the ground, you know, kind of very generic stuff. Putin was not driven to invade by Western threat, yet it should clearly be recognized that Western actions have helped prepare the way. And to observe that those who destroyed Iraq... Libya and Yugoslavia have no standing to condemn him. He's not an exercise in both sideism. The likes of Blair, Clinton, Trump and Putin have often been on the same side through material collaboration in the war on terror and in their comments. What is this breaking? U.S. sanctions President Vladimir Putin, FHRZ Lavrov for premeditated invasion of Ukraine. States in coordination with allies and partners continue to forcefully respond to Russia's unjustified, unprovoked and premeditated invasion of Ukraine by imposing sanctions on President of the Russian Federation and Minister of the Foreign Affairs, Sergei Lavrov, as well as other members. This builds on other sweeping actions the United States has taken earlier. Um... It's going to be on largest, Russia's largest financial institutions, restricting the ability for the government of the Russian Federation to raise capital, cutting it off from access to critical technologies. These actions impose unprecedented diplomatic measures. President Putin administered Bravov. Does it have any details, though? It's an undermining of the international law, which they all claim to uphold. And perhaps this is the key point. We Are you happy that he's reading Jacobin and not Aaron Carson? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely refreshing. To say the sustain least. economic convenience and advancement. So there is no moral oh, value no set that we can refer so much fun. to. We can't go, we would never do that. <laughs> That's because we've seen what they do and we know by which principles they are run. Yanis Varoufakis, guest of our podcast Under the Skin, said in a recent tweet, the only issue today should be to stop the war and secure the withdrawal of Russian troops from Ukraine. Right, good, that makes sense, isn't it? Stop the war. The only way that could happen is a Washington-Moscow agreement that Russia withdraws in exchange for a commitment of Ukrainian neutrality. Anything else is warmongering. So there you go. There's a person that's operated on the global stage, albeit briefly due to the corruption of his own party, offering a prescription for how to solve this problem. I love Russia the should, there. of course, withdraw. Washington should say, we will not try to use Ukraine as a chess piece in our agitation of Russia in order to escalate this conflict. And some people might speculate as to why that would be beneficial for us and our ties in the military industrial complex. So there you go. While this issue is extraordinarily complex, and I, of all people, would not seek to suggest to you a solution, there are some principles that we can apply in our own lives and demand of our own government that might help some clarity to emerge. But that's just what I think. This is obviously an issue that's going to be around for a while. Hit me up in the comments below. Tell me what you think. Tell me what your fears are. Tell me about your frustrations with mainstream media. Let me know what we could do differently. Are there other aspects of this conflict that you want to see illuminated and investigated? What biases do you think you're... Maybe I got to emulate this. Maybe I got to start making videos and end with this because, you know, five million subs, this... Uh... Uh, this stuff is working out, right? You could definitely be like, you know, well, that's just what I think, you know, about this incredibly tragic event that could be resulting in the life uh, loss of thousands of people and, you know, some of them being civilians, uh, non-combatants. So, you know, let me know what you think. Uh, sound off in the comments. Give me your thoughts. Hit the bell button. Subscribe. Like all that good stuff. And then, hey, I'll be back with another video on why the uh, elites are trying to destroy us all kind of thing. Uh, what do you uh, what do you rate this one, chat, out of 10? Let's let, let's see the numbers. What, what would you give? I, I kind of feel like he was all over the place. Some points were good. A lot of points were kind of like iffy. 
what what are what are we feeling out, out of ten? I, I want to get a I want to get a, a pulse, a pulse, if you will. A four, a two, a six, a six, a two. Wow, these are uh, wildly all over the place. Um, three, a two, negative forty-eight. See, I was gonna say a five out of ten. A five, personally for me, a five out of ten. Yeah, that was that was gonna be. Um, Puddle Dive. Was watching a trans YouTuber this morning and incredibly angry at Bridges' dialogue about trans people and particularly trans children. I'm going to be watching the whole thing, Puddle. Uh, don't, uh, don't ruin it because I'm going to have to ruin, ruin it for myself. But anyways, uh, chat is saying, uh, I, I'd say four. Four is the most, uh, average one. Yeah. Negative 48 is a Q cult? Wait, what? 69, 420? No. No. This was not 69, 420. Definitely not. This was not 69, 420. Vladimir Putin announced that this would happen last night. He is suggesting... A going to denazify what he means by this is that he is going to set up another russian puppet state in ukraine by deposing the current leadership of ukraine if that means tens of thousands of casualties and millions of refugees then so be it here was vladimir putin last night the new york times has administration versus more than 40 ukrainian soldiers have been killed already dozens were wounded in fighting on thursday morning according to alexei aristovich an advisor to president i didn't expect this from ben um it's been unusual watching various political camps and their response to this. Uh, I would say uh, the conservatives are split in two. There are the conservatives who align themselves very strongly with the Trump and you know the Trump philosophy, uh, who are coming at this. Uh, you know, Steve Bannon's Charlie Kirk, uh, Trump himself. Uh, you know, from a surprisingly pro-Russia stance, uh, and I guess we're going to see where Ben Shapiro lies. Didn't Vladimir Putin? The country's foreign minister, Dmitry Kuleba, said Ukraine was facing a full-scale attack from multiple directions, but that it continues to defend itself from Russian advance. Initial reports of the fighting suggested that Russian forces had crossed into Ukraine at multiple points. Ukrainian troops had also... That's what exactly what's going on here. What's going on right here is, in fact, a challenge to the West. That doesn't mean that the West is in a place where it can put troops into Ukraine without fear of an all-out war with Russia. It also doesn't mean that sanctions are going to be sufficient to deter Russia. This oh, so he's a little bit more neocon than uh, maybe his contemporaries. It feels like he wants to go a couple steps further, right? This is the natural outgrowth of decades of the West basically deciding after the Cold War that it was going to focus inward, that it was going to spend inordinate amounts of money. There was going Wait, what? The, the West has been focusing exclusively inward? Okay, now we're just way off the chart. Going to cripple its own natural energy independence, that it was going to kowtow to aggressive foreign powers like China and Russia in order to avoid conflict. And it is no wonder that Russia has decided it's going to make a move like this. Now, we in the West don't understand this kind of move. We don't. We don't understand why China would try to take Hong Kong. We don't understand why the Taliban would try to take Afghanistan. We don't understand why Iran would be, a, would be threatened. The U.S. just left Afghanistan. That just happened. <laughs> like, what, what world are you living in, Ben Shapiro? This is like, uh, the West is weak. Well, all they've done is, is concentrate inward and decide that they don't want to be self-sufficient when it comes to oil. The, the U.S. has increased its oil production. What are you talking about? Israel, we don't understand any of these things. And the reason we don't understand any of these things is because we in the West used to be animated by something, something like a higher purpose. The idea that we were found, we were a fundamental force in favor <laughs> of freedom. I think the words he's looking for are manifest destiny, maybe the Monroe Doctrine. Oh, American exceptionalism. That's it. American exceptionalism. That's what he's looking for. And he wants like, some old timey American exceptionalism. He wants everyone to basically do what the United States says at all times and liberty, and 
what we used to call Western civilization. And we've lost that. And this has been an ongoing battle in the West for a very, very long time. The substitution of materialist hedonism in favor of some sort of higher purpose has been a serious battle. I was reading last night one of the best political essays ever written. <laughs> materialist hedonism? Does he think people want to fuck cars? Is that it? Get that kissy? Maybe that's it. I, I think that could be it. Yeah, that, that, that might be it. He's talking about the kissy. By George Orwell about Hitler. And this is not me saying that Vladimir Putin is Hitler because Vladimir Putin is not Hitler. He's a thug dictator of a second-rate backwater economy with <laughs> imperial aspirations. Okay. At first, I was like, oh, that seems like a reasonable statement because, yes, Vladimir Putin is not Hitler. They're very different people. But then immediately had to go into backwards garbage people. <laughs> but he is not genocidal in the way that Hitler was, although he is, in fact, a murderer. But the essay is, is making a broader point, this Orwell essay. And I think it's important for us to understand this because we have a weird parochialism in the West. We like nice houses. We like nice cars. We like nice things. We like being able to speak freely. We like the lives that we've created. And we don't know why everybody doesn't. Okay, I'm going to be honest. This whole thing is very interesting, actually, just from uh, what is the conservative side thinking? Because I didn't know, like, the Ben Shapiro side of the discourse was looking for things to go full neocon. Like, that's, that's really where it sounds like he's going with this. See this as the end goal. You know, this is why we think that sanctions will work against Russia. Because By the way, how can you talk about, like, hedonistic uh, materialism and then be like, we in the West like nice things, okay? We like big houses and cars, and that's the end goal. You have to get yourself the house and the car and the, and the trophy wife, you know? Don't get I mean, distracted by your sisters, everybody. Russia, doesn't, don't the Russians want to be more wealthy? Don't they want to have slightly nicer dashas? Don't they want to have better clothes? Don't they want to have Levi's? So George Orwell wrote about this in 1940. He said, Hitler has grasped the falsity of the hedonistic attitude to life. Nearly all Western thought since the last war, certainly all progressive thought, has assumed tacitly that human beings desire nothing beyond ease, security, and avoidance of pain. In such a view of life, there is no room, for instance, for patriotism in the military virtue. I can't believe he's reading the writing of a social democrat right now. This is just fucking you know, communism 1984 come to life. Virtues. The socialist who finds his children playing with soldiers is usually upset but he is never able to think of a substitute for the tin soldiers. Tin pacifists somehow won't do. Hitler, because in his own joyless mind, he feels it with exceptional strength, knows that human beings don't only want comfort, safety, short working hours, hygiene, birth control, and in general, common sense. They also, at least intermittently, want struggle and self-sacrifice, not to mention... You hate birth control, Ben. What are you reading out loud? You should have, like... You definitely should have gone through this and actually seen what he was writing before you started saying it out loud. Drums, flags, and loyalty parades. However they may be as economic theories, Fascism and Nazism are psychologically far sounder than any hedonistic conception of life. The same is probably true of Stalin's militarized version of socialism. All three of the great dictators have enhanced their power by imposing intolerable burdens on their peoples. Whereas socialism and even capitalism in a more grudging way has said to people, I offer you a good time. Hitler has said to them, I offer you struggle, danger, and death. And as a result, a whole nation flings itself at his feet. Perhaps later on, they'll get sick of it and change their minds, as at the end of the last war, after a few years of slaughter and starvation, greatest happiness in Kazakhstan. He wants to, he's been very clear about this. He has said it over and over and over again. And in believing this, he is revivifying a belief in the Russian people. Because the fact is... That's the second time I've heard that word revivifying today. Not a word I hear used in English a lot, but I've heard it twice in the same day. That's, that's kind of uncanny. That since the end of the Cold War, there has been a tremendous amount of nostalgia in the former Soviet Union for the era of the Soviet Union. However much we may not understand it, 
The reality is that Stalin. Did you not listen to Putin's speech though? Like that one even flew in the face of like ardent USSR, sorry, USSR uh, revivalists. It was basically like you know calling out Stalin, calling out Lenin, and like you know a, a lot of the discussion of the borders were actually kind of like a czarist russia style uh, discussion more than it was like oh we need to reignite uh, the the glory of the ussr and remains extraordinarily popular in polls in russia as of 2019 a record 70 percent of russians approved of joseph stalin's role in russian history in the early 2000s <laughs> yeah but like how many americans approve of like you know the founding fathers like, like people even get mad at you if you're like well a lot of them were slave owners you know and they're like how dare you speak ill? Have you not seen our money? It's on the money. Come on. That was not the case. People saw Stalin as a, a hallmark of a bloody, terrible past. But Putin had revived the Soviet anthem, Soviet-style military parades, and Soviet-era medal for labor during his presidency. And by 2019, respondents said that 70% that Stalin played a positive role in Russian history. Only 19% viewed Stalin's role negatively. Why? Because it turns out that there are a lot of people who are interested in the notion of Russian greatness. After all, what, what else do they have to substitute for it? A bat? <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> Ripping into Russians again. It's weird, too, because Ben started this by talking about American greatness, right? And American exceptionalism. Like, we used to be a great country, all right? We used to believe in something. We used to believe in the power of the West and, and dictating, uh, you know, with authority what should take place around the world. And we've lost that. We've lost that all. And now I know these Russians are talking about, you know, the glory of the USSR and stuff like that. And I was like, that's, okay, first off, like, th that that's really not the Putin uh, that we know and see today. I know that's been, like, a common thing amongst conservatives being, like, he just wants to, uh, you know, rise... Uh, you know, Lenin's corpse from the grave and then give all the glory and uh, power back to the USSR. Like, Putin is uh, pretty direct right now with what he is trying to state uh, in his goals. Water economy. Understand the entire GDP of Russia, the entire GDP of Russia is about equivalent to the state of Florida. It's about $1.3 trillion per year. The state of Florida is at $1.2 trillion per year. This is not a major world power as an economy. That is it, true. It is a, it is a dump. Economically, so what? <laughs> Wait, did he just say it's a dump? <laughs> power as an economy. It's a, it is a, it is a dump. <laughs> Wait, is Florida a dump then too? <laughs> oh wow! Okay, well, Ben, uh, Ben took this one and ran with it. <laughs> economically so what what exactly do you have to give your people except for dreams of glory and reconstitution of a soviet empire there's a great book called secondhand time won the nobel prize in in a, a few years back okay this is going to read quotes again. and what he said is quote when i go into my grandchildren's about how terrible we are for wanting you know a functioning world order and economy and then all of this is slow, and it doesn't have a real impact, and then it all materializes at once. And what we are watching is the quickening of history right now. The last 20 years have been a slow roll toward what we have seen in the last three years alone. In 2020, China invaded Hong Kong. In 1997, the British turned over control of Hong Kong to the Chinese for the promise by the Chinese that they would... Wait, what? Is, is 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 that the narrative that's being told completely that that this was just an invasion of Hong Kong? Is is he not going to talk about the old, the old deals that were made? 
allow autonomy in Hong Kong. And then in 2020, the Chinese... Don't, you, don't get me wrong. I'm not like... I'm in no way uh, going to say that I've been on the side of, you know, the Chinese government when it comes to the treatment of uh, the protesters and the, the loud and uh, outpouring cries uh, for democracy and independence in that country. Uh, but to, to characterize the whole thing as like an invasion that took place rolled right into Hong Kong and nobody did a damn thing. There weren't sanctions of any serious consequence. There wasn't any world reaction. There was nothing in 2020 when China did that. And then in 2021, the Biden administration decided to turn over Afghanistan to the Taliban for no reason at all. We're just going to turn over a country that we had guaranteed security to. Remember, we had worked with those people. You invaded the country. You, you occupied it for 20 years. What the fuck are you talking about? People, they had worked with us. They had sacrificed tens of thousands of lives in a battle with the Taliban, and we just completely undercut them, and then we left them to starvation. That was 2021. And just a few months later, not even a year later, Vladimir Putin has full-scale invaded Ukraine. And by the way, we should note that when it comes to Ukraine... Just a quick little history on this. Hong Kong was established as a colony of the British Empire, uh, sorry, British Empire after the King Empire, uh, seceded Hong Kong Island from Xinjiang country around the First Opium War in 1841 and then again in 1842. The colony expanded to the Kowloon Peninsula in 1860 after the Second Opium War and was further extended when Britain obtained a 99-year lease of the new territories in 1989. Uh, sorry, in 1898. British Hong Kong was occupied by Imperial Japan from 1941 to 1945 during World War II. British administration resumed after the surrender of Japan. The whole territory was transferred to China in 1997. As one of China's two special administrative regions, the other one being Macau, Hong Kong maintains separate governing and economic systems from that of mainland China under the principle of one country, two systems. Uh, like I, This is the first time I've heard someone try to frame the entire thing as China literally invaded Hong Kong and the world stood by and did nothing while that was taking place. The Ukrainians, again, were effectively guaranteed security by the West in exchange for turning over their nuclear weapons. Right? That, that had been a, a deal that the Ukrainians made all the way back in 1994. Right after the end of the Cold War, there was really wide debate over whether or not Ukrainians should turn over their nuclear arsenal. They had about 5,000 nuclear weapons left over after the end of the Cold War. And there were questions, what do you do with this nuclear arsenal? And there were some who suggested they should keep the nuclear arsenal, they should point it at Russia and say, if you cross that border, you're going to regret it. That's a really important part, by the way. They were apparently pointed at the United States for obvious reasons. Instead, the United States and Russia encouraged Ukraine to give up its nuclear weapons. And Ukraine did. John Mearsheimer, I'm not a fan of Mearsheimer, but he's right on this particular issue. In the summer of 1993, according to the New York Times, Mearsheimer, a prominent international relations theorist at the University of Chicago, lent his voice to the issue of atomic retention. He argued in foreign affairs a nuclear arsenal was imperative if Ukraine was to maintain peace. The deterrence, he added, would ensure that the Russians, who have a history of bad relations with Ukraine, do not move to reconquer it. In Kiev, the government went so far as to consider seizing operational control of its nuclear missiles and bombers. That never came to pass. Instead, Ukraine punted and demanded, in exchange for nuclear disarmament, it would need ironclad security guarantees. There's an agreement in late 1994 called the Budapest Memorandum, signed by Russia, Ukraine, Britain, and the United States, promising that none of the nations would use force or threats against Ukraine, and all would respect its sovereignty and existing borders. That agreement also vowed that if aggression took place, the signatories would immediately seek out. And now, 
Ukraine is being invaded by Russia, and the West is basically doing nothing. So, uh, to summarize, it seems Ben Shapino wants to go in a slightly more aggressive uh, stance. He would like the United States to maintain being uh, the hegemonic superpower of the world, but also to continue to take a very aggressive uh, geopolitical, let's just say, action uh, when it comes to uh, the affairs of other countries. So uh, I would say that Ben Shapiro's position on this is full neocon, you know, like uh, Bush-era neocon kind of stuff. But hey, what do we rate it out of 10? What, what are we giving Ben Shapiro's takes uh, uh, out, of, out of the 10, uh, out of the score? I, I will now wait for the awkward 15 seconds before what I have said out loud reaches... Uh, your ear holes. Uh, Chair Kicker gives it a fascist out of 10. Fabuli gives it a 0 out of 10. Uh, 5 out of 10 from Nordic Rest. Big Room 3. Joe Spinner 6. 420. No, we're not doing 420s or 69s. Boner out of 10. Boner out of 10. Ben out of 10. Uh, Neo negative 5 out of 10. Negative 69 because no WAP. I would say Callous Cats wins. We'll rate that one a negative 69, a not nice, out of uh, out of WAP. <laughs> out of DAP. We'll say that, all right? Uh, a yikes out of 10. Okay, let's move on to everyone's favorite. Yee! ...should be in a new government. So here it is. Listen to this. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. When I talked to Jeff Feltman this morning, he had a new name for the UN guy, Robert <laughs> Seri. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it. And, you know, f*** the EU. And she at the end says, and you know, F the EU. She says at the end. Uh, so... Um... She says, I think Yashinthiak is the guy who got the economic experience, the governing experience. What he needs is Klitschko and Tahenbach on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, Newland said in the recording. So we li literally did that, right? So we engineered, we backed, we funded all that stuff. A neo and they're neo-Nazis, right? And uh, Well, well, not, not all of them. I mean, you have a coalition. You have... right. So there's a big there faction. The, there's uh, a big Tianbach represented the the ultra nationalist fascistic neo Nazi part of this coalition. He's from the Social National Party, which carries some interesting undertones in its name, and that's why Victoria Newland, who is now the top official uh, overseeing Ukraine and Russia policy in the Biden State Department wanted him on the outside because he was too embarrassing to have on the inside. So they got Yatsenyuk, who is just this billionaire liberal technocrat, totally corrupt in power. Klitschko was like a professional boxer who became famous. <laughs> He's like the uh, Ukrainian Schwarzenegger. So they wanted him on the outside because he wasn't really sharp enough. So yeah, you see the uh, US neocon officials of the Obama administration who are totally back in power in the Biden administration. She's talking about Jeffrey Feltman. He's now in charge of Ethiopia, Eritrea, the Horn of Africa. Uh, they're all back in power and they're, man they're trying to manage the situation again, but it's spun out of control. And here you have- All right, I just want to put this to rest uh, because, all right, I have been one of the first people to speak out against things like the Azov Battalion and my huge problems with the Canadian government uh, either giving arms or training the Azov Battalion because yes, the Azov Battalion is a neo-Nazi battalion. Uh, it has 
about a thousand members. All right, there are paramilitary uh, battalions in both the in both Ukraine and Russia that have neo-Nazi ties and or are neo-Nazis. Okay, but to label Ukraine just as a country as just being rife with neo-Nazis that this this is necessary because they need to denazify Ukraine is utterly absurd. If you look at the election results that actually took place, right, where uh, you know Zelensky actually won uh, with his party Servant of the People, what you're thinking of is Svoboda. This is the ultranationalist party in Ukraine. Uh, they got 1.62% of the vote. 1.62%. 1, 1. So for people to continuously like push this, and you're buying into a lie, a, a, a lie that is being pushed as propaganda by Vladimir Putin himself, right? That the entirety of Ukraine uh, is rife with neo-Nazis and Nazis, and we have to denazify Ukraine and get in there, and we have to get rid of uh, you know the Nazi problem in there. Um, they're, they're, I think one of only two uh, nations that have had uh, both a president and a prime minister who uh, are Jewish. Uh, they have an incredibly high Jewish population, and again, an ultra-nationalist separatist party. Uh, got 1.62% of the vote uh, in the election that elected uh, Vladimir Zelensky. So, like, can can we put that one to rest? Yes, you should definitely call out neo-Nazi paramilitaries. Do not fund them. Do not arm them. That is completely uh, valid, and I've done it myself. But I think this weird thing is that they are continuously pushing this conspiracy theory, and it is a conspiracy theory that the, like the, the the entire country is is overrun with Nazis. On a leaked call or a hacked call or whatever you want to call it, deciding who runs the Ukrainian government. So it's so absurd when people say, oh, it, uh, Putin is attacking an independent and sovereign Ukraine. It is a U.S. neo-colony. That is all it is. I mean, that doesn't justify, that would in itself justify an attack on it. But let's do away with this idea that Ukraine is somehow independent. Okay, I'll be honest. I, I think they get the award. I think they win. I think they win the, the worst take of all that we've seen. I mean, we haven't watched Crowder yet. I'm, I'm assuming Crowder will probably go along the, the, you know, Ben Shapiro super neocon angle in this. But holy fuck. Why are you platforming Max Blumenthal? Like, time and time again. It's like, how many times does Max Blumenthal have to be utterly wrong on a topic before someone says, like, mm, probably shouldn't keep bringing that gray zone guy on here. The things he says, you know? Uh, and we can talk about how peaceful it is, too. It's far from that, either. So let, let's just play a little bit of the hypocrisy after you know Canada the history. And nice. our allies will defend democracy we are taking these actions today to stand against authoritarianism <laughs> they're loving this so much <laughs> you see this you see this canada which by the way canada is just another post-neo-colonial u.s colony uh, much like ukraine yeah you, know, you see the hypocrisy you see this right here <laughs> Max Blumenthal on the delay there on fucking Skype. <laughs> yes, <laughs> another post neo colony of the United States, and the hypocrisy is rife. So that's funny. And then they, <laughs> and then the establishment got their uh, butt buddy, uh, Bernie Sanders. God damn, Jimmy! You got to throw in casual homophobia in there as well. Bernard Sanders is a very good boy. He said Vladimir Putin's latest invasion of Ukraine is an... Ah, uh, you know, the corporate Democrats, they, uh, they just want to fuck Bernie Sanders in the ass, and Bernie Sanders loves getting fucked in the ass, and he has another ass fucking by Bernie Sanders, the corporate Democrats. Uh. Indefensible violation of international law, regardless of whatever false pretext he offers. 
there was always there's always been a diplomatic solution to this situation. Tragically, Putin appears inept on rejecting it. Um, it's literally the, the, the United States is the people who aren't negotiating, just like Trudeau wouldn't even meet with the protesters to ask what their demands were. Uh, no, he went into hiding. Do you know what their demands were, Jimmy? Did, did you ever look that up? Did you ever look into what the trucker occupation, what they were demanding? Did, did, did you? Because if you had, you would have found one of two things. You would have found initially an MOU that was calling for an end to all, not just vaccine mandates, all COVID safety measures, all of them that, that across the board, which again would most likely be in place to protect the most vulnerable members of society. And then what did it evolve into? Freedom. How how exactly do you give into the demands of freedom? If people suddenly are like, yes, our demands are quite simple. We would like, oh, sorry, don't let me forget, or the entirety of the government resign in disgrace. That was that was the other option. So I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if you can really meet them halfway there. Like if half of Trudeau's cabinet resigned in disgrace and they got rid of mask mandates, would you be happy? Which, by the way, the federal government does not have the power to do, Jimmy. That was the fucked up thing about it. That It's the provinces in Canada that decide that. So, so Trudeau couldn't have even met their demands. In fact, maybe Trudeau should have done that as a power move. Be like, okay, yes, uh, the federal government, <laughs> wink, uh, is going to remove all of their COVID restrictions on the provinces. You get everything you want, truckers. And then they just go home and like, wait, everything is in place. It's like, well, yes, it's the provinces that actually administer that. It's not it's not the federal government. He went into hiding. Same thing. It's, it's the... Uh, yeah, Ukraine and the United States that doesn't want to negotiate. And uh, I want to show you the level of meddling just to get you. Uh, this is from Yasha Levine's uh, Substack. I just want to give you the level of meddling that the United States did when the, the communists, uh, of, when the uh, Soviet Union fell. Right. And this is in the 90s. This is from- By the way, this is all true. Yes, the United States meddled deeply in uh, a post-Soviet uh, um uh, you know, up to the dissolvement of the USSR, that is 100% accurate. And, uh, you know, it created the conditions that gave way to the uh, oligarchs that now control the country. Um, these things are all true. I have mentioned before on my stream about them. None of that justifies what is taking place in Ukraine right now. Like, you, you can point that out if you want people to have a history lesson, but you can't use that as then a lever to be like, so, I mean, kind of had it coming. At the end of the day. I mean, every single time the U.S. fucks up places, I I don't understand the then rationale afterwards to be like, okay, and now we're just going to leave that mess and just have it be. Like after the U.S. invades and occupies uh, Iraq and then, uh, you know, gives birth to things like ISIS, ISIL, whatever's going by a name now, um, when there isn't really any, uh, you know, infrastructure building or, or programs to do so. Same thing in Iraq. And then after, uh, sorry, not, not Iraq, I'm talking about Afghanistan. Same thing in Afghanistan. And then in a post, you know, invaded Afghanistan when the Taliban takes back over uh, to then, you know, put crippling sanctions specifically on the Taliban, which is the government of Afghanistan, which results in mass starvation. Like, you don't get to just walk away from these situations after you've created a mess and then be like, and and you see, and this is why the, the U.S. should impose sanctions, because again, they, they had it coming. His incursion into Chechnya and Bill Clinton proceeded to compare Boris Yeltsin in Chechnya to Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War uh, very publicly. So, uh, you know, compare that to the U.S. rhetoric about Putin recognizing 
breakaway republics as independent. And so we helped engineer a coup. We overthrew the democratically elected government in Ukraine. We helped do that. And a big part of that government is interwoven into their government is neo-Nazis. It's a Oh my uh, God, what the fuck? Like you can't take what happened in like, you know, the nineties and then extrapolate it to someone who's currently the president of the country, who was democratically elected to be the president of the country, and then say, Yeah, and, and the whole thing is just rife with Nazis. Absolutely He's he's Jewish. Uh, on top of everything else. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, uh, so after uh, that, there was a ceasefire, right? And so they had the Minks, I don't know why I can't say that, Minks agreements. And there was supposed to be a ceasefire, a military withdrawal, and there was supposed to be elections held in rebel-held areas. But none of that happened, right? They never stopped shelling, and there weren't those, there wasn't a military withdrawal, and there wasn't elections uh, in rebel-held areas, right? So, again, uh, it was Ukraine government, meaning, you know, the proxy of of the United States and Europe, that were breaking the agreement, correct, Max? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it was the Ukrainian government that broke the agreement, shelling the Donetsk and Luhansk republics, uh, prompting them to form their own self-defense militias. And if you actually look at UN statistics on deaths, casualties, the lion's share is on the side of those in the Russian-speaking republics that come. Robert Evans has talked about Ukraine in so many different podcasts, so many different events. He doesn't seem to allude to USA and NATO fostering today's conflict. Like, I think at, at this point of where we're at right now, I mean, the number one priority should be that, uh, you know, uh, Russia cease, uh, you know, all invasions, uh, sorry, cease the invading, invasion of Ukraine, uh, withdraw its troops, uh, allow Ukraine to remain as a sovereign state rather than trying to uh, take it over. Um, I, I don't see to what benefit them consistently, and this is uh, Jimmy Dore, consistently trying to reframe the issue as exclusively being USA bad. I think that you cannot talk about these issues because geopolitics are interconnected. Yes, America is the superpower, the hegemonic superpower, and is by far you know, the largest actor on the world stage uh, disrupting and, and creating uh, you know, uh, terrible conditions for a lot of countries. Uh, but you can also... You, like. This is happening right now. The Ukrainians are currently under siege. They are being bombed. They are being shot. So you don't need to sit there as that's happening and, and simply be like, hell oh, yes. And how bad is America right now? Because America, if I recall, is pretty bad. America bad, right? It's like, yes, but there's also a conflict going on and one that needs to be immediately addressed. Like, there needs to be an immediate ceasefire. We, we want that to end. Like, you wouldn't apply uh, the same rationale uh, when it comes to, um, you know, Israel and Palestine, for example, like you wouldn't consistently be like, uh, yes, what, what is taking place right there is horrible. But, uh, you know, there, there are, uh, of course, uh, terrorist organizations in Palestine that, uh, you know, have uh, have done uh, some some bad things. And, uh, you know, Hamas is uh, is obviously of uh, of ill repute on the world stage. And so, I mean, ultimately, is, is Israel really uh, just uh, trying to, uh, you know, de-Hamasify uh, that region and, and help them out? Is, is, is that not a, a better idea? Should should we think in these kind of terms, right? Like this, this, this uh, is is the line of reasoning I think that Jimmy Dore has been going down. Um, 
it's also really unfortunate to see him pull up Max Blumenthal for all of this, of all people. I also didn't expect the post. How did he put it? So there's a big there faction. The, there's uh, a big... Tianbach represented the, the ultra-nationalist, fascistic, neo-Nazi part of this coalition. He's from the Social National Party, which carries some interesting undertones in its name. And that's why Victoria Newland, who is now the top official, Yatsenyuk, who is the uh, Ukrainian Schwarzenegger, so uh, U.S. neocon official, oh, yeah, really sharp enough. So, yeah, you see the uh, U.S. neocon officials of the Obama administration who are totally back in power in the Biden administration. She's talking about Jeffrey. Oh, I thought that was the part where we were talking about how Ukraine is just a, what is it, a post-colonial, a U.S. post-colonial neo-U.S. colony or something of that. Uh, Anyways, everybody. What do we rate Jimmy Dore and Max Blumenthal out of 10? It's going to be the last one I think we listened to in terms of uh, takes today. We've had, if you're just tuning in now, we've, we've, got, we've done three. Uh, we got to listen to Russell Brand, which I got a, I rated a 5 out of 10. We had Ben Shapiro. Uh, we have a negative 69 uh, out of WAP. And uh, what are we rating this one? 0 out of 10, negative 100 out of 10, negative 100 to the power of 3. Oh, wow. A net out of 10. Ah, a bad out of tanky. A negative, I don't even know what number that is, Winston. That's uh, one sextrillion. I can't remember how, what's the highest thing. Negative 1984 out of 10. Comrade Dax, I think uh, I think that might, that might be it. I mean, if I was to give an actual number on this, I think I would give it a a, a one. Uh, because there, there was a, a slight amount of, of entertainment when the two of them just wanted to laugh at Justin Trudeau. And boy, did that make the two of them happy. Listen to the hypocrisy here, Justin Trudeau, the dictator, the tyrant. You see this? Um, which is kind of rich, by the way, because I, I don't know if Jimmy knows this. Justin Trudeau, the Emergency Powers Act, he, he he rescinded it. He revoked it two days after enacting it. Just like Hitler. Just 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 like Hitler did. Yeah, yeah. exact apples to apples. Exact same thing, you know? It's, it's 100% the same. All right, well, uh, that's the show, everybody. So you've just been listening to an episode of The Surf Times, and if you enjoy it and want to see The Surf Times, you can go to wearesurfs.com or watch the live shows at thesurfs.tv. And also everywhere social media is sold, basically, thesurfs.tv, you'll find us there, twitter.com slash thesurfstv, for example. It would also help us out tremendously if you could leave a good review of this podcast if you enjoyed it, either on, I don't know, iTunes or wherever you're podcasting. Apparently it does help, and yeah, we hope to see you soon. To our gods, Xander Corvus and Peyton L. Just, we beseech thee to smite down our enemies. To our monarch, Tom Spiker, we are but your humble court jesters, here to amuse you. To our lords, Trevor R., we give thanks for this spit of land for us to eke out this meager existence. To our knights, Merid, Cheryl Alvarez, Ruby Kelly, Ellie Leslie, Alex P., Brandon, Words Greenwood, Nate, That One Guy, Hagbird Celine, Matthew Scarborough, Stellar Vision, Ariane McCarthy, Daniel Sutton, Coulter Smith, Val 9000, Jenna Tall, Quiet185, Anna Loves Riley, Omni, Riley and Anna, Poodlehawk, The Tim Caucus, Multimondi, Trevor Yanis, Lemmy101, Anthropofojack, 
Saren42, Catherine, Radical Maniac, Ramona Costa, Nkosin, Violet Orchard, Sophie Baby, Political Puppy, Andreas Chiringuito, Zach Christensen, Josh Mickelson, Todd Buckingham, and Todd Lajeunesse. We raise our flag in a veil, and we salute you, our friends.